What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. Once again, we are live on Millions. If you'd like to check us out, it is every Sunday and Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Unless we have to change for a uh, scheduling issue with the guest or, you know, probably me because I don't have my life together. But we are talking... All of the best things that happened in Week 7. Obviously, we're getting into the Georgia-Vandy game. We are talking about the nothing finer universe's top 25. And just uh, just having a good time here tonight. But before we get into that, what are you drinking and how was your weekend? Um, I feel really bad. I like... We had a school event that we had to work yesterday, so I had to catch up on all the games afterward. But I'm just uh, drinking some water to get kind of caught up on that. But one thing that I do want to throw out there. Um, so for the school event, we weren't able to go to Lincoln's game, but his coach went and picked him up. Okay. And they actually won. They actually won. Let's go, Lincoln. I, he um, Coach said that he played really, really well. He, he had a couple sacks. He had a forced fumble. He had a fight. In which, um, <laughs> did he win the fight? He won the fight. Um, the, he, he, uh, he got double teamed and he, uh, he just, he just knocked one of the kids just totally on his ass. And apparently, what the coach told me was the, the coach from the other team came out there and told Lincoln to stop hitting so hard, which is always, you know, the best compliment you can give somebody. But, um, Lincoln said that the player needed to stop, and I quote, you need to stop being a little bitch. So it sounds like facts to me. Yeah. So I I, I couldn't be happier with that. Uh, so he, I think he has like three games left. But he I apparently he played really well. Like the coach drove way out of his way to come get him because he's like, we need him to. This is like the one game we have a chance in. Like we need him hit there. So he was able Does to make he have it. A game next make it happen. He has a game. I think he has a game on. Thursday, I believe. I think it's like Thursday and then like the following Tuesday. And I think he's done after that. All right. Well, send send me the information for the game. I guess it would be next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we'll try and be there. Sweet. But, okay. So, yeah. Off the, it, it's all out there in, uh, in Richmond Hills. So it's kind of a hike. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. We'll try and be there on, on Tuesday. Yeah. I yeah, know, it's Tuesday I, or I Thursday. Know neither of us can be there this Thursday, but mm. on Tuesday we will do our best to be there, especially if it's the last game of the season. Oh, his his very last game is uh, October thirtieth at six p.m. And then he has another one. What well, we'll, we'll we'll figure it out, but yeah, yeah, yeah. he has to yeah, be games yeah. left. Yeah, yeah, no, we we will be at at least one game this year. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's a good time. They play on turf too, by the way. Like they they don't play on like no knee hit fields. Well, yeah, I know, right? What? Shocker. They're so elastic at this age. They can play on concrete like I did back in the day, and then <laughs> be fine. It's just when they get old and fragile. Is there like, grass no. in Detroit? That's the biggest question here. <laughs> Apparently, they did redo the surface, and I I don't remember what they. I mean, it's not grass. No, it's some kind of other synthetic something or other. I I believe. Oh, but he doesn't want to play in Detroit. He wants to play in Green Bay, where they do have grass. Granted, it's frozen half the year, but there's that. Hey, he's cold-hearted. It fits. Damn right. How about you? 
How was it going? Uh, yeah, man, it was it was a good weekend. One of the first weekends in a while we've been able to been home with all the family stuff going on and and games going to. Um, but yeah, I watched a ton of football yesterday. I uh, made some spaghetti from scratch yesterday. Okay. Um, in the timeouts of the Washington Oregon game, and uh, and then. As a thank you for assisting in getting the county set up to do this disc golf course close to the house, one of my one of my good friends, um, actually he was the Ohio State guest for the Peach Bowl last year. For those of you that have been with us for a while, Adam Van Bremer now oh. writes for the AJC. By the way, oh hell um, yeah, there you go. Where was he at before? He was at the Savannah Morning News. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, I remember he now. is like the total Savannah correspondent for the AJC now, so that's pretty cool. Hell yeah. Um, but no, he, he took me out on a pontoon boat with a slide on it this afternoon. And I'm sure if you've listened to us for a while now, you know that I am truly a child in an adult's body. Um, so what did I do on a pontoon boat with a slide on the roof? Um, I, I got on the slide once and then jumped off the top quite a few times because nothing is used as it's supposed to be. Um, mm-hmm. but some, some idiot in the group of friends that went out on the boat today brought a bottle of whiskey and that idiot's me. So, <laughs> so I'm a little bit more intoxicated than normal to record, which is not how I have been over the last month or so, I'd say. Um, totally unfiltered opinions, especially after the uh, the weekend that was, will be will be good. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so because I at this point know that I'm more intoxicated than I should be, I got some caffeine free diet cokes sitting next to me. Um, pro- probably should be drinking water, but in the last minute or so, we've already talked about how irresponsible I am. So so we're going caffeine free diet coke to. I don't know, maybe get me a little bit more sober by the end of the episode, but we don't really know. Doesn't doesn't diet drinks enhance the uh, effect of alcohol? That's what I've been told. I don't know. I, I think there's studies about it or whatever, but if you mix, I don't know. I don't know about afterward, but if you mix, you know, your whiskey or whatever and diet Coke or, you know, with all the chemicals of, you know, cancerous chemicals that you have in the diet drinks. I, I mean, I drink shit, probably 80 ounces of diet Coke a day. It's not good, but I thought it got even more fucked up. It does. Am I wrong? Um, it does, but this is Kroger brand, so we can't even guarantee <laughs> that that is what it's supposed to do. You know? Okay. Um, but either this is going to get a lot more interesting or a lot more boring, and we won't know until we get there. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> no one has ever accused me of uh, being responsible. I have been accused of being intelligent but not responsible. Uh, All right. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be another one of those weeks where in the group chat later today, you're going to say, oh, somebody say something positive because we don't have anything. I don't either. Um, Trying to get the voicemail set up because we do have somebody that called into calling the dogs after the game on Saturday, so that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Um. Got that set up. If you heard a couple seconds of audio, once again, it's because I'm not responsible. So we're just getting right into some evidence into that. Um, um, but if we want to get into some 
real true hard evidence. We're talking about Georgia, who was 31 and a half point favorites going to Nashville to play Vandy over under 56. Um, terrible. Terrible game. Yeah. Big oof. Um, I'll just go ahead and say that Georgia was never in danger of losing this game. I will say that the offense played pretty well with the exception of a few mistakes, but I think this was a defensive coaching error that allowed Vanderbilt to score 20 points. Um, I have a huge problem with Vandy's style of offense and Georgia playing drop five uh, zone coverage. I think that was a terrible error. At some point, you should have realized, hey, they're putting four guys in passing routes almost every play. Instead of playing soft zone coverage, let's play man-to-man defense like we did last week and like we have every other time our defense has done well this season. Especially against somebody like Vandy where you – obviously have the talent advantage usually you go zone i mean it's like just going like to basketball you know you play zone because you feel like you have a disadvantage um talent wise or athletically against the other guy that's not the case when when georgia goes to nashville not and, and it never will be hopefully i don't yeah. i don't see it be, but yeah it's weird truly to me and you know i've already uh bashed the coaches quite a bit this season just because i feel like they're not the game plan is not putting the team in the best position possible to exceed. Not necessarily win, not necessarily succeed, but exceed. Um, like they have in the last two seasons. I really, truly think that the coaches in general played this as... Um, a, first half of the bye week Mm -hmm. um and i say that because the offensive game plan wasn't explosive the defensive game plan was extremely safe the special teams game plan you know is what it is makai muse has had a couple of fumble issues on the season but the fact that the entire game plan was just like hey let's get out to a lead and just kind of hang out Mm -hmm. that that's not that's not the game plan that is nationally expected of a two-time national champion trying to three-peat but it's also not the game plan of a team that wants to continue to get better every week and in my opinion if Kirby's mantra of the season is better never rest the coaches are taking a lot of fucking rest this season Mm -hmm. and that drives me insane but like when you look at the actual like stats itself, like defensively, I know we're gonna skip skip around a little bit, but like Ken Seals, uh, Vanderbilt quarterback, nineteen to twenty nine, two hundred one yards. So I mean, he did obviously did better than uh, Devin Leary last week, but you know that's hard not to do. And two touchdowns and a pick. That's even harder to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really, like a quarter of his yards came on that one forty nine yard touchdown pass in the first quarter to London Humphreys, uh, like three minutes into the game. Defensively, I, I mean, the rush defense was. I mean, stout. They only allowed 18 yards rushing the entire time. So it's like, I mean, 
opportune turnovers obviously killed it led to a lot of points especially the near pick six that Carson had that I thought he blew out his shoulder when he made that hit stick uh, tackle there at the one but it's it's it, it's been the case for this team the entire year is stats don't necessarily support what we're seeing and feeling stats are like oh everything's fine but like what we're seeing is it's not the same team that we definitely saw in 2021 the dominance on defense not nearly what we saw in 2022 it's just it's it's different they're still top you know three four team in the country regardless of you know any metric really but it's it's not the same level of dominance that we've been accustomed to the last what what 20 what 33 regular season games whatever the hell it is now yeah yeah no and don't get me wrong i in i am by no means necessarily upset with any particular player i think every yeah. player did the best that they could within the game plan once mm-hmm. again i think the coaches are almost skating through the first half or more of the season at this point. Mm-hmm. And and for Kirby to hold the players to the standard of better never rest, but the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, to be skating through with a win as a win to me is absolutely unacceptable considering the player or the considering the standard they hold the players to. Yeah, just the, the the talent advantage. I mean, yeah, you can go out there and sleepwalk to a seventeen point win, but like one of the other things I was going to kind of point to too was that uh, Georgia had two really long drives and only resulted in a field goal each. They had a, a seven minute forty seven uh, second drive that led to a field goal, and then uh, and I think in the next quarter, I think that was the second quarter. I think in the third quarter they had an eight and a half minute drive and. Again, only came away with three points there. So, honestly, if you come away with a touchdown on both of those and then you have a 25-point win, that feels a hell of a lot better than just 17. I agree, but I I, I truly think, once again, you can point to coaching and game plan on, you know, hey, we're down in the red zone. Why are we running this specific set of plays? Yeah. It feels Mm -hmm. like every time Georgia gets into the red zone this season, the very next play has been – a gap run, which if that has been successful, sure, absolutely. Yeah, if you have a if you have a Zeus White or Nick Chubb, sure, right. But in so I understand that the A gap run worked on that Kendall Milton touchdown. But first off, Kendall Milton has been healthy a very short portion of the season, and it was on that touchdown where he got injured again. Mm-hmm. So. If you don't have a 100% Iron Man, Kendall Milton, why are we running a gap run ever like the very next play after you get in the red zone? Doesn't matter if you're on the 20-yard line, the 1-yard line, the very next play every single time has been a gap run. Honestly, what we need to do is just get in the coach's head that we need to bubble wrap Kendall Milton, not just for like the Ole Miss game or the Tennessee game. Just wait till the SEC championship. It, I'm I'm tired of it. I think I'm 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 frustrated, and, and not necessarily his fault, but it's irritating that someone that runs that can run as hard as him, as talented as him, is always hurt. It's like a DeAndre Swift all over again, except less swift. Yeah, and I mean, even like even if you go back to college, DeAndre Swift was injured less often. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, to me, if a player that had little to no injuries in high school comes to college and is filled with nothing but injuries, that that points to a couple of different things. Either strength and conditioning, which, you know, there have been a lot more injuries since Georgia hired um, the most recent strength and conditioning coach, which... Or Cochran. Um, is he back at doing that? Because I know he was a special teams coach and then that whole thing happened. I don't know what he's doing now. I don't know exactly what his role is, but I know that the previous special or the uh, previous strength and conditioning coach went to Oregon with Dan Lanning. Mm-hmm. But there have been a lot of injuries since the new strength and conditioning coach was put into place. That to me seems to be a problem. If it's not a single position, if it's not a single player, but it if if it is a cross the board offensive defensive skill position or line position, there is a problem. If every mm-hmm. single game you have somebody go down with an injury, that points to strength and conditioning, nutrition, or running these guys way too ragged during the week. Yeah. And you know what all three things of those point to? Coaching. Mm-hmm. And, and by no means am I saying Kirby's not a good coach. I think he is probably the best coach in the country at this point because of the way that Georgia has been able to come back and win these games that they've struggled in. Um, I mean, Auburn, South Carolina in particular, but it is the coaches under him that as a CEO approach that he takes, he's giving a lot of leeway to that I think are failing at their positions to a point that is a detriment to the team. Not necessarily they're failing on game day because obviously at this point Georgia is 7-0. and But, I mean, if you're having guys like Kendall Milton constantly be hurt, if you have somebody like Brock Bowers go down in the middle of the game, I understand his ankle got rolled up on, but he hasn't seemed like himself at certain points throughout this season. Obviously, yeah. Ladd was out for the first three or four weeks of the season. Like, there are there are certain things that I think you can point to that are coaching eras, errors within the program that ultimately, as a leader, you are responsible for everything your organization does or fails to do. So whether you knew about it, you were responsible for it, it doesn't matter as the coach, you you are responsible for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, throwing it back to what we were talking about before, Scott Cochran is actually he is actually the special teams coordinator. On um, still just as on the uh, UGA athletic website, and then Scott Sinclair is the uh, strength and conditioning coach. So I mean, he's been he's been at that for a bit now, though. I, you know, I just I have an issue with the amount of injuries that have happened within the team, and you know, mm-hmm. I don't. The Brock injury, obviously, you know, it's... Yeah, he gets rolled up on. It's called a left ankle strain. um, And they said it was at the bottom of his foot, which if you haven't, you know, had an intricate um, anatomy lesson on the muscles of your legs, like, you can have an ankle sprain in the muscle 
of your leg that goes like up to your knee or to the bottom of your foot because the entire purpose of your leg is to keep your foot upright and keep you balanced. So for an ankle sprain to be in the foot or close to the knee, it's not necessarily unusual. Um, but on the bright side, because we do try to look a lot more on the bright side here, even though I have uh, just gone on a massive rant about coaching and and they've won national championships over the last two seasons, as we all know. Um, two years ago, George Pickens obviously went out very early in the spring with an ACL injury. Georgia still won the national championship. Last year, there, two years ago, JT Daniels went out week two. Georgia still won the national championship. Last year, Georgia lost and still won the national championship. So, I'm not saying that all is lost. I'm not saying that Brock being injured, even if he comes back against Florida, or whether he comes back against Georgia Tech, that everything is lost. I'm, I just, I have issues with the number of injuries that have happened over the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, and it's weird, too, because typically they get healthier, like you were talking about with those guys. They, I mean, they had gotten healthier throughout the season but like at this point like guys are getting dinged up a little bit later than they are it's like you can look at you know the sec championship the playoff national championship all that and guys like finally coming back when the other team is uh you know the opponents going down with injuries a little bit more but it is it is frustrating to see but hopefully there's some stuff to look at during this bye week everybody can get their mind Set and like because this this last stretch is going to be tough. This is definitely going to be infinitely more difficult than the uh, the first seven weeks. Oh, absolutely. And historically, you know, in Kirby's tenure, they've kind of turned things around during the bye week mm-hmm. and um, and used Florida as kind of the proving ground of what they're trying to do. I mean, twenty eighteen, obviously, they lost to LSU after the bye week, came back and just destroyed Florida. Mm-hmm. 2019, they had an unimpressive showing in the bi- uh, right before the bye week, came back, beat Florida again. 2020 doesn't really count because it's 2020. Yeah. Um, 2021, once again, an uh, ne- not necessarily impressive showing before the bye week, came back, beat Florida last season. Um, I want to say Missouri was just before the bye week, came back, beat Florida, and then Anthony Richardson um, had some of Michael's secret stuff at halftime. Tried oh, still lost by 20. Exactly. So the bye week is yeah. kind of where Georgia, under Kirby, has made some schematic personnel training, kind of where they've reevaluated the way the program's gone over the first six, seven weeks of the season and change things to fit the back half of the schedule. So I have no doubt that that, that the first half and especially it went on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been a first half of ups and downs for sure. I mean, again, just, you know, bottom line is this team's still seven and oh, the team typically gets better throughout the season. And I mean, I'm, I'm still confident that all, you know, all the things that we want to see the rest of this year are still going to happen. And I know some of y'all may feel like I'm trying to gaslight you or whatever, but I mean, until proven otherwise, I'm, I'm just going off for the last few years, especially with a lot of you know a lot of the same guys. It it's tended tended to work out, so we just have to you know let it ride. We're we're going to lose a game at some point. Hopefully, it's not this year. 
Um, because I don't know if we can stand to lose a game and make the playoff, but that's another discussion. But um, yeah, we still got everything ahead of us. So you know, seven zero mission accomplished. We just got to get better throughout the uh, the bye week and through the rest of the season. All right, I know that took us way, 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 way off track. But do you want to actually talk about this game now? Yeah, I'll throw out uh, throw out some of these stats that I uh, had put in here real quick. So. Again, Georgia won by 17. They won 37 to 20 in Nashville. Uh, Georgia's uh, locker room was in a tent, just like all the uh, visiting teams have been this year. I think that's something that wasn't talked about enough because I saw the video on TikTok like this morning. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. They don't have they have even less of the stadium put together than it looked like on TV. Um, but Carson Beck, not his greatest showing uh, by any means, but he was 29 to 39 for 261 yards. Two total touchdowns, so he had one rushing, one passing, and he also an interception that was very, very close to a pick six. You know, he laid the hit stick on uh, the guy that intercepted it, and like I talked about earlier, I thought he got hurt on that. Like, he I mean, just laid the wood at the one. How many I thought quarterbacks he had in the country make that tackle? Because I think it's less than 10%. Anthony Richardson led the country in that stat last year, didn't he? Yes, but Anthony Richardson and Carson Beck are not even close to the same person. That's fair. Carson's a way better person. I mean, if you want to talk about Power 5, you know, like I would say even top half of the Power 5 quarterbacks in the country, maybe three or four other quarterbacks probably make that tackle, but that might even be a stretch. I mean, he put his career on yeah. the line to make sure that guy didn't get in the end zone. Yeah. I mean, and ultimately uh, Vanderbilt ended up scoring a touchdown, uh, you know, a play or two later, but I mean, I appreciate the effort, but I'm, I'm just glad. He- like that's my damn quarterback. Yeah. That's my quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm happy that he did, but I mean, I think if he was like a third year starter, I don't know if he would have actually made that hit. That's just a, a guy that hasn't been on the field. All that much. I mean, I'm again glad that he made the hit, but there's part about the team mm-hmm. that he still makes that hit, especially because he did essentially was... throw his off shoulder into it. He and that was a fucking awful pick, too. By the way, like that was bad. That was it worst was one awful, but it was also tipped at the line. So there's yeah. only so much that he's actually responsible oh. for there. I mean, he's responsible until it gets tipped. You know, obviously untrained eye. The the trajectory of that ball up until the defensive lineman's hand looked like that was a perfect pass between the defenders right to the receiver. But as soon as it hit that guy's hand, it went short and short and right, yeah. which yeah. is exactly where that defender was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was but that was a, that was a hell of a hit. Though. I mean, it, again, it wasn't Carson's best game. Uh, by any means, but again, the, like you talked about the top, uh, Georgia was not in danger of losing this game at any point, even though it didn't feel good. Again, I watched, I watched it, you know, the replay of it, so I wasn't watching it real time. So I don't, I don't necessarily have all the same emotions that everyone else um, has toward it because I know the end result before good I watched you, it. Because they're not necessarily good emotions. No, no, I, I, <laughs> I would, I don't know. I would, I might, might have rather had watched that than a. Uh, done all the shit that I actually had to do on Saturday, but I won't get into that. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, But uh, 
besides that, so the running game actually looked good. That was one of the strengths that we had both kind of talked about in the uh, the preview pod. Uh, John Edwards, I always, I, I don't know why. I, I'm like I'm like I'm Gary. I can't say anyone's fucking name. Asian. Asian. I don't know why. But uh, he had a career day, 20 carries for 146 yards and touchdown, and he actually had a big explosive play, a 62-yard run uh, in there. Uh, Kendall Milton, before he uh, before he got hurt and dinged up and all that, uh, he five carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown before leaving the game. Cash Jones. Who? Cash Jones. Who? Cash Jones. He had uh, three, three carries for 65 yards, including a 57-yard run that was – to, nice. to essentially seal the game. Yeah, yeah, big, big time. I mean, because they needed him, not having Kendall there, not having Roderick there. I, you you needed someone to step up in a running back room that's been decimated by injuries and cash. He was cash. He was money. Love it. That's uh, perfect. Yeah. He, uh, uh, Cedric Van, uh, that, uh, Cedric Van Pran. Uh, also had a fumble recovery that he advanced six yards for a first down. So shout out him for <laughs> picking up the fumble and advancing and having the, the wherewithal to do that. That was a if highlight that we didn't need to see. On Friday night, that Cedric Van Pran would have more rushing yards than Dylan Bell and Carson Beck. Would you have believed me? No, I'd ask you what you're smoking on and where to get it. Yeah, 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 no, he was technically the fifth leading rusher on the team with zero carries for six yards because that botch snap and him having the I football IQ to be like, oh, the football never it. really left where I snapped it from. I'm just going to mm-hmm. pick it up, hurdle a guy, juke another guy, and get this first down. Mm-hmm. That was I was kind of hoping it would, it would turn out like the, uh, what was it, the Brock play? In, uh, in 2021 when I think Stetson had fumbled it and then Brock picked it up and ran it like, what, 20, 30 yards for a touchdown? Oh, you're talking Isaac Nada. 20 oh, Nada, that's right, that's right. Yeah, you're talking I fumbled the ball and Isaac Nada picked it up and just ran it however many yards for, it was a, for the touchdown. It was a chunk. Yeah. One of the one of the few Isaac Nada highlights, unfortunately. Yeah, very unfortunately. Yeah, former Detroit Lion. And Green Bay Packer, ironically. Yeah, there we go. Um, I don't think he's... Going on from there, uh, receivers, Dominic Lovett led the team uh, in receiving, going nine catches for for 72 yards and a touchdown. Lad, kind of first big game for him, four catches for 58. And we kind of buried this. I hadn't really talked about it yet. Oh, yeah, we did talk about the ankle injury. But Brock left the game with a probable ankle strain. Uh, He left in a walking boot um, out of the stadium. Seemed like he, he was in up, good spirits, so. though. He showed up back in Athens with an air cast and a single crutch. Hmm. Um, hmm. That could be a precaution until they get MRIs, probably mm-hmm. today, if not tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, still, still concerning for Georgia fans, but not necessarily, uh, you know, like throw the season away no you got a few weeks you you can you can beat florida without them um so i mean at least you got you know at least at least two weeks uh to kind of try to get them up to speed because i think they play missouri right after florida right 
Um, Florida, Mizzou, Ole Miss, and Mizzou and Ole Miss are both home games. Okay. So that's that's a big big mm-hmm. couple of home home games there. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be you're gonna need them for that last you know three out of the last well really three out of the last four that they have because you don't probably don't need them against Tech. You can be you can beat Florida, but Florida's Florida's so I don't know out there and and you know offensively they can they're kind of like Georgia in a way where you know one week the offense is just lights out like this week and then defensively not so much or you can flip flop it but again you can beat florida without without brock even though you'd rather much rather have him there especially you know after his big game that he had last year but do you want me to go over a couple um couple of the injury things that were put out this afternoon real quick yeah yeah all right so as of two hours ago um, Brock's x-rays were negative and looks like a low ankle sprain, but they are doing an MRI tomorrow just to double check. Okay. Xavier Truss, no information is known about his injury, but it also looks like an ankle sprain. Um, mm-hmm. Kendall Milton re-aggravated his MCL sprain. So given a week or two off, he could look like he did last week against Kentucky. Um, and then probably lastly, um, well, we'll have two more. Amarius Mims, um, remains out after the tightrope surgery in, what was it, week two of the season? That was, I think so, yeah. Um, but they said he was only going to miss, uh, four to six weeks after that surgery because it was expected to be very minor. So Amarius Mims or Xavier Trust could be back at right tackle for the Florida game, which is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last thing I'll talk about, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins foot injury. It's lingering um, and is reported to have actually happened during fall camp, but it will be reevaluated day to day and looks like he could possibly be back after the bye week. Okay. So eh, it all could be worse. Could definitely sure. all be worse. Um, mm. Nothing. You know what? I'm not even gonna say. It. I'm not even gonna say. Yeah, this don't. No. Nope. 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 Not. I'm not nope. putting. I'm not putting that evil on you, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> oh man. Um. All right. So we talked about a lot of this other stuff. Um. I mean, and I, I mentioned this before, too, but the uh, the defense struggled compared to the last five meetings against Vandy, giving up 20 points. But again, it can be misleading because of the, you know, the turnovers and all that. I mean, they only gave up, what, 220-ish total yards, which, again, Vandy's not, you know, a great power five team by any stretch of the imagination. But, like, that's a – by by all accounts, in that sense, it's a good, uh, a good showing. Um, I mean, the defense held Vanderbilt to the second lowest points total of the season because Mm -hmm. their offense is significantly better. I mean, they have two or three receivers that would be number one receivers at any SEC program, and that's saying quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Hey, I wouldn't mind having a Humphreys in Athens next year. Will Shepard is a dog, Mm -hmm. too. Yeah, yeah. To me, like, and this is very high praise, um... Will Shepard may not necessarily be Calvin Johnson, but Ooh. that similar aspect of his game, of you put the ball close to me, I'm probably coming out with a catch. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that is Will Shepard. Like it doesn't doesn't matter if it's high, doesn't matter if it's low, doesn't matter if it's left or right. Like I am going to do 
every single thing within my power to come up with that catch. And that I mean, that's the kind of receiver that Vanderbilt needs considering yeah. the the talent disadvantage that they're normally at. But I think I truly think Will Shepard would be a number one wide receiver in almost any program in the country. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Again, I don't know how much eligibility he has left, but I'm sure we can make room for him here. I would love it. Uh, Just a couple other notes before I get into the last little bit here uh, concerning this game. So time and possession, Georgia, again, dominated dominated it for the most part. They had the ball for 37 minutes to Vanderbilt's 22. Um, And I, I was just kind of doing stream of conscious when I was writing some of this, but uh, with all that said, everything that we talked about, again, I'd be shocked if Georgia lost a regular season game. But realistically, the only team out west that scares me is LSU, and that's only because of Jaden Daniels about what he's been able to do this season. The only thing that scares me, Bama don't scare me. Ole Miss, depending on how they you know they play against us in uh, in November, could could be an issue. But even then, I'm not confident that Lane would be able to get that going after he shit the bed against Bama. So to I mean, me, the Ole Miss game is a lot more about Lane than it mm-hmm. is the players. Yeah. Because I think if the players at Ole Miss were given the right game plan, they could absolutely beat Georgia with the wrong game plan. Just yeah. like I think Ole Miss with the right game plan could have put 42 points on Bama. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily think Lane has gotten over the little brother syndrome. Yeah, and with with that loss against Bama, I don't think that's ever going to happen, at least not against Saban. But, again, how many more matchups is he going to have against him? Who knows? But we'll see. Hopefully, for our sake, hopefully Lane stays Lane for the rest of the season or at least through uh, the Ole Miss game in Athens. But um, – Couple of uh, quick things. So so far this season, Georgia's outscored their opponents 183, or outscored them by 183 points so far this season. You no know, points for minus points against 183 points, and like I, like we talked about earlier, while it hasn't been historic domination, we've been spoiled by the last few years of uh, dominance. But again, I still feel like this team is really good. So you know we can critique and be harsh all we want and you know point at things that we want to see better but i mean again end of the day they are they are 7 and 0 yeah no it, and you know i talked i talked about this before the season i tried to uh to keep it in mind that we are spoiled so every, mm-hmm. every little thing we're nitpicking is nitpicking but mm-hmm. at the same time you know we try to be as honest with you, you guys as we can and just if we're pissed off about something in particular, we're going to let you guys know that we're pissed off about it because, mm-hmm. you know, That's we're, why we're honest here. to a fault. <laughs> we're not paid by the university. We're not not just shaking we're our pom-pom. We're not paid by everything. anybody if we're being honest. <laughs> Losing money. Because y'all need to... Ugh. I, you know, I don't really know what you can do, but you can do something, right? Yeah. <laughs> Go on, go on Spotify. There's a link on the show where you can support the show monthly. Ship in ten bucks a month. Help out. Not a Patreon, but you can do it through Spotify. Or tell literally every single person you know about us, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe if we get there, somebody else will pay us, and you can just listen. Mm-hmm. 
but a couple other things just to kind of leave us on a high note before we get to the players of the game stuff. If if you watch the game, you saw this at the end of the CBS broadcast, but 24 consecutive wins, fourth most in SEC history, uh, 32 straight wins versus unranked opponents, which is something that hasn't really come up a ton. But, uh, but 29 of those 32 have been by 10-plus points, including this game. And then 13 straight wins on the road is the longest current streak in the nation. So, again, mission accomplished thus yeah. far. Yeah, yeah, no, and I'm I'm really glad you put that on there because it does bring things into perspective of just how much we are truly nitpicking. I mean, 24 straight wins. Um, I mean, I don't even know what the regular season streak is at this point. It's obviously way back to uh, 2019 I, LSU. I think it's... 2019 LSU, 2019 South Carolina. I, I want to say it's 33? Which I think is the most in SEC history. I think that's I think that's what I saw. I could be wrong. Absolutely insane. So, so thank you for putting this in here. But as much as I am pissed off at times, it's still it's still one of the historically best runs of the modern era. So, guys, including myself. Try to not be as angry, including mm. me. <laughs> Again, we can we can be pissed off about certain things we see. We all want to be. I mean, especially the last two years when we beat Vandio at one hundred and seventeen to nothing. Uh, you know, giving up twenty points and only score only. You know, Eric air quote. Again, I mean, this team is still really good. Over the last three years, it's one hundred and fifty four to twenty. Yeah. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. And this yeah, is shit. Vandy team that is extremely improved over the, where they were in 2021. I mean, they're drastically improved over the, where, where they were in 2022. Vandy being better, I, I think it adds more of a... Uh, it adds a game to the schedule that's not necessarily a, um, a detriment, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm still pissed off. Yeah. One thing uh, I'll, I'll throw in there. I found the I found the numbers here. So the record for SEC uh, SEC record for longest win streak is 28 games. So presently, Georgia's at 23. So started after 24. I started in the Orange Bowl against Michigan. They have 23 wins. Are tied with Tennessee for fourth most in SEC history. They can get to. Uh, they can tie Alabama. At 28 wins, they they did 28 consecutive wins, uh, 1978 through 1980, coincidentally enough. Uh, so Georgia can tie that. And then the record for just longest conference winning streak is 27 games. Currently, Georgia's at 22, again, tied. Actually, they're tied with Alabama, the 2015 through 17 teams at 22 wins. Uh, Georgia is actually number two, 1980 through 1983 at 24. Uh, and then... There's a Florida streak in there with Spurrier. And then Alabama actually has the record 1976 through 1980, 27 consecutive wins in conference. So, again, Georgia can tie Alabama for both of those uh, SEC records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got five more games left in the regular season. They can tie both of them. So, it's, again, like you talked about, like we've kind of harped on, this is the golden age. And this is even, this is approaching if, well, Actually, even better than the the uh, nineteen eighty through eighty three 
again, previous golden era of uh, Georgia football. So, yeah, enjoy it. Soak it in. Could you imagine if they were podcasts in 1984? We're passing the ball too much. Six attempts? Are you shitting me? <laughs> the the pass, this is the absolute worst thing to happen in football. Oh. All right, let's get into players of the game, um, and uh, and keep keep rolling here because I I know I took a lot of time. There was a lot to talk about though. All right, um, I actually I I need to go back and find the doc. I clicked off of it, so no, you're good. I'll I'll do defense first. Okay. So defensive player of the game. I'm pretty sure this is like his third or fourth time getting this award through the season, but that is. Former All-American Tyke Smith, second yep. on the team with tackles with six, and that phenomenal interception where he jumped the route. Um, I believe George got a touchdown off of that play just a couple just a couple plays later. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with with how the safeties have played behind Javon Bullard, and I know this is going to be a roundabout way to say it, but with the way that they've played behind Javon Bullard when he was out. I do not know what Georgia's secondary would be like without Tyke Smith taking up that star position this season. And uh, he's had a phenomenal year so far. Defensive player of the game for probably the third or fourth time this year. I mm. just... Tyke Smith is phenomenal. A, uh, a name award and versus a... You know, what you've done on the field, not necessarily even stats... I think Tyke mm-hmm. Smith will probably be a first-team All-SEC player fighting for oh, first-team All-American this year. For sure. he That interception was insane. Oh, he... he ripped I, it out that, of his hands. Man, that was, that was one of those that if the receiver had made that play mm-hmm. on a defender, you're talking Sports Center top 10 last night, but because it was an interception, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, Tyke Smith, I, I I don't know how much eligibility you have left, but please come back. Mm-hmm. I I hope he has one more, but I mean, he's I think he's definitely made himself some money. Oh, absolutely. This, year. this is his this is his third year on the team, right? Played a year at West Virginia. He probably has one more year. He's got a COVID year. I think he's got a COVID year. The question is, does he take it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's good. It's a good question. All right, so the uh, Brock Bowers Offensive Player of the Game, Dejan Edwards, uh, as we mentioned earlier, 20 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Also had a 60-some-odd-yard touchdown run. That was just probably one of the best runs. What? I said it was beautiful. Oh, okay. I thought I I lost you. Sorry. But, yeah, it was incredible. We need want to see more stuff like that going forward. And he had that Uh, big... He had that big run right before um, – it was essentially the same play that Cash got his big run on. Like, mm-hmm. it was virtually identical um, that Cash got that run on the seal of play, but Dejan took it a little bit further. And um, so, on, so on that, I'm basically on the same play, two times running it, you had, a, what, like 120 yards rushing on two plays? It's a, it's a good average. Insane. Yeah, good for him. But yeah, Brock Bowers, offensive player of the game, goes to him. All right, so for Boom's newcomer of the game, uh, Dominic Lovett 
once again, we already mentioned that he led the team in receiving with nine catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. But a lot of those were extremely cut clutch plays going towards the uh, going towards the second half. And, um, you know, I, I really think after his drops early in the season, he had a few plays in this game that, you know, even against Ball State, he probably would have dropped. I think he's getting better as the season goes on. I'm really happy about that. For sure. It's been kind of going back, uh, you know, last week it was rah-rah. This week, going back to Dominic Lovett. Um, again, transfer portal has been good to Georgia. At least, you know, rece- you know, bringing guys in from receivers. Obviously, you lose A.D. Mitchell in that. Kind of smarts, obviously, because he's been playing well for Texas. But, you know, Dominic Lovett, rah-rah, been playing really well. All right, you want to do um, you want to do Hungry's Hungry's dog? dog? Yeah. All right. So Carson, just for that hit alone that we talked about, you know, quite a bit earlier, you know, throws the throws the interception that was tipped. They bring it back, you know, a, a good chunk of the field. Bring it down to the one. Carson lays the hit stick on him. Both go airborne. We think Carson's uh, shoulder exploded, but he ends up getting up. Took out that guy. Great thing uh, it was his left arm. Yeah, yeah, not his throwing shoulder, so that's good. Led with that, so that's you know definitely another positive out of that. But then uh, SVP for that heads up play and getting that first down on the fumble, advancing at six yards, being the third leading rusher on this team. Um, so shout out those guys. They're the uh, the hungriest dogs coming out of uh, Nashville. Yeah, and um, something I wanted to add in for Carson. Because I know a lot of people, including myself, have been skeptical about his play at, at certain points throughout the season. Um, would you like to take a guess at where he is as far as completion percentage nationally? Um, would you like to take a guess at where he's at? I'm going to say 12th. Six, 73.6%. Because I was thinking he was along like 67, 68, or 69. No, he, so he is at 73.6% and has the second highest attempts out of the third highest attempts out of the top 10. First is Shadur Sanders with 303 attempts. Mm-hmm. Second is um, Jacob Zeno from UAB because they've run that yeah. air raid offense. We've already talked about it a couple times. Um, and then Carson has 235 attempts, 173 completions, mm-hmm. and uh, it is at 73.6%. So, you know, for for all of the times we question his, you know, decision-making and all that kind of stuff, he is still having an absolutely phenomenal season. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see it. Three out of four passes are completed, so it's hard to beat. All right, we're going to go into calling the dogs real quick before we get into the rest of the games. All right. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be another one of those weeks where in the group chat later today you're going to say, oh, somebody say something positive because we don't have anything. I don't either. So uh, congratulations, everyone. You're listening to Caleb Thoman's first negative voicemail, and you may even hear my daughter screaming and playing in the background uh, because we have finished this game outside because I cared enough to sit in front of the TV for most of this game, but about halfway to the fourth quarter, she wanted to play outside, and I said, you know what? Screw it. My bone screen is just fine to finish this on. 
Oh, boy. There's a lot of things to clean up, and it's mostly surprise, surprise with the defense. Not a whole lot of drives, and we scored on almost all of them. You can't really complain about the offensive performance, again, other than the turnovers. But that defense has got more leaks in it than my 100-year-old house did when we first moved in. And for context, it was a lot of leaks. Um, and that needs to be clear. But I just want to say we didn't struggle. We got a convincing win, but it was not nearly convincing enough. Um, once again, we want to say thank you to Caleb Tillman for uh, carrying the Calling the Dog segment. If you if you have any sort of back injuries, um, please contact our lawyer, which we don't have one, so don't contact us. Um, but thank you for calling and talking to us again. Um, do you want to talk about the top 25 we put out today, or do you just want to kind of uh, float it until later in the week? Because we've already gone about an hour. Yeah, we can we can chalk it up and talk about it next time. All right. So it's we'll interesting, talk, though. Yeah, we'll talk about our top 25 later this week. Um, I thought it was very interesting how it played out, especially towards the bottom bottom part of that top 25. It was some drastic differences as far as the rankings go. Um, but if you want to talk about some drastic differences, here's the USC at Notre Dame game. Um, Notre Dame were two-and-a-half-point favorites over under 63. Notre Dame covered um, by 28 points and hit the <laughs> over. Yeah. <laughs> that Were you as shocked as I was by the score difference in this game? It was it was jarring. I mean, I I thought I, mean, I know we both picked USC to win this game or at least cover the two point spread or two and a half point spread from earlier in the week. But I did not think Notre Dame had that in them. I mean, stat wise, it wasn't like offensively they were tearing it up. I mean, Sam Hartman was only he was he only completed 13 passes for 126 yards. I mean, he had and then their leading rusher only had 95 yards, but he had two you know, two touchdowns. But it was just the just how bad Caleb Williams and just USC just played overall. Like I, for Notre Dame to score 48 points under, you know, any circumstance is shocking, especially the way that they played the last few weeks. So it, it just I'm jarring. Being honest, it, yeah. it didn't shock me too much. How, how poorly he played against this USC defense. Um, and Notre I Dame. will actually pull up Notre Dame defense. My bad. Yeah. My bad. I already told y'all I drank too much. Give me a break. <laughs> um, so I'll actually pull up the stats he had against um, Arizona because they were... They were kind of pedestrian good. too, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he went 14-25 to 25 for 219 yards and a single touchdown against Arizona. Um, but he also had two fumbles in the first half of that game. Mm. One of those was recovered by Arizona. So in the last two games, Caleb Williams has four turnovers and what, three touchdowns? Um, yeah, because he only had one one today or Saturday. Oh, if he only had one Saturday, then he's got – let me pull it back up here. Um – if he had one Saturday, he had one against Arizona, and so he is 
five touchdowns to four turnovers over the last two weeks. The last, I would say, are the only two decent defenses he has, he has played this season. Mm. Um, you know, if you've listened to us in the offseason, you think that, or you know that I think that USC is a lot more hyped than they are substance as far as mm. that goes. The thing about USC, they really only need four or five good plays to win a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And against any sort of substantive competition, that's about all they have. Yeah. Oh. But the thing with uh, USC, though, I mean, it's it's hard, it, you know, easy to forget, but they're still undefeated in Pac-12 play. I mean, they're tied for first. Well, yeah, they're tied for first with uh, Washington at this point. So, I mean, they still control their own destiny, but as, as far as playing, I mean, they, they should have probably lost against Arizona last week. And Arizona kicked the shit out of uh, Colorado. Uh, was it Wazoo? Washington State. Yeah. Um, I wanted to put Arizona in my top 25, but they had three losses. <laughs> um, but, golly. Um, USC still has everything in front of them as well, but our, I'm I'm way less confident. I think in the preseason I had picked them to to, to – uh, to win the Pac-12, but I definitely regret that now because they're not winning it, but they can still get to that game and get squat. Hell, they might lose to Utah. I think they play Utah next week or the next week after. Week. So, and you know who yeah. they play um, in... You know they play in Week 10? Is it Oregon? Washington. Oh, okay. You know they play, they play Week 11? Oregon? Oregon. There we go. So they'll, yeah, we'll know. Yeah, they really do play almost everybody. So and they'll. Then the last find week out. of the season, they play. Oh, they don't play. That's right. Because Lincoln Riley's a bitch. Well, but their last game of the regular season is against UCLA, right? No. Really? I mean, as far as the schedule I'm seeing, let me let me get it pulled back up here. Um. Yeah, so they don't play in week 13. They play in week 12. They play against UCLA. Well, yeah, oh, well, that, yeah, that's their last game, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So three of their last four games are against current top 25 teams. Ooh, they, okay, so they play at home against Washington, at Oregon, and then at home against UCLA. Yes. Ooh, oof. Uh, could be looking at nine and threes, eight and four could, stretch. Could fall, fall easily be looking at that because their offensive line was absolutely one of their offensive line was as bad, if not worse, than their defense, and that's saying a lot because you guys know I think that I could probably get a sack on Caleb Williams against that, or I could probably rush for thirty yards against that defense. The thing is. Mm. Notre Dame has a phenomenal front seven. And they ate Caleb Williams alive. Six sacks. <laughs> God, dude. They had six sacks. And then, you know, Lincoln Riley decided there's four minutes left in the game. I'm going to put the backups in because obviously we're not winning this game. Even though at the time it was a three-score game. That just tells you how weak-minded uh, Lincoln Riley is. Mm-hmm. especially considering as a Heisman winner and probably the best wide receiver core in the country. Yeah. That's beside the point, but 
he put his backups in. What was it? The second play of the backups being in. Fumble. Yeah. I just. Mental midgets. I mean, that's it's about where we're at with a. Uh, that who would have thought? I just this, this isn't on there, but if you went back about a year, who would have thought that Oklahoma would be in a way better position than USC at this point? Um, shout out Connor O'Gara. Yeah. From Saturday yeah. Down South because he actually called it shortly after Lincoln Riley left and Oklahoma hired Brent Venables. Skeletor. Um, yes, Skeletor himself. Connor said that he thought Oklahoma would win the breakup because Brent Venables was a better coach as far as getting both sides of the ball to where they needed to be. And so far that has proved to be yeah. accurate. Um, yeah, definitely. Connor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's right about things, right? Sometimes. Yeah. I, I would say a lot more often than not, but when he's wrong, people yeah. love to harp on it. It's 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 fun to dunk on people that are right more often than not. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, yeah. No, but man, like, I, and I think a big reason that Notre Dame did not necessarily have, you know, phenomenal stats on offense, it's real difficult to get to 400 passing yards or 400 rushing yards when you get the ball on the other side of the 50 more often than not. Yeah. I, I mean, anytime Sam Hartman was put in a position where he had to throw the ball to get a big play or a first down, he did it well. Anytime mm. that Audric Estime or any of the other running backs needed to get some more yards to get a first down or a touchdown, they did. Um, I just, I really think Notre Dame, their defense played a lot more offense than their offense had to. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah, USC looks cooked. I don't, I don't know. They, they seem done. It makes me so damn happy. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, it, it, you know, I know I have gone off about Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley and how mentally weak they are. And, you know what? Hell, I'll do it again. Caleb Williams had private security escort him off the field before <laughs> the game was over because Notre Dame students started coming onto the field. All right, I'm going to say this, and I truly <laughs> hope it gets to Caleb. Look, dude, I know you're like 20, 21. But no one cares about you when your team has lost two out of the last three and they stomp your face in at home. No one cares that you're on the field. Mm. Notre Dame, after almost being unranked, after losing to Ohio State and losing to Louisville of all teams, not a single person in that crowd cares about Caleb Williams when they are coming onto the field to smoke cigars and stand together arm in arm and sing the alma mater. There's Mm. no reason for you to flee the field like a scared child with over a minute left. Like, that is peak. I'm talented, but I will never go anywhere in my football career because I don't have the mentality to make it. He's going to struggle if if he goes, well, I don't know, I was going to say Arizona, but and I don't know how many people care about care about uh, the Cardinals in Arizona, but well, to be fair, he already said he would come back to USC if the Cardinals had a first round or the first overall pick. But what about the Instead Bears? Instead of saying I'm good enough to make this team better, he says 
I'm going to refuse to even go to the draft. Caleb Williams is the Ryan Day of current college football players. You know who else did the same thing, went back to college when they were going to be the number one pick because they didn't like the team that was going to take them? Hmm. Uh, Sam Bradford. That's why Matt Stafford ended up going number one to Detroit. I think Sam Bradford's career would be probably the best thing that ever happens to Caleb Williams. Um, it wouldn't be a slice of humble pie. It would be mm-hmm. a stack of them. Yeah. And it appears that he needs a lot of those at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be fair, I made a lot of stupid choices when I was his age. I just hope he learns at the young age and the spotlight that he has put himself in. To be clear, he put himself into the spotlight. I hope he learns that, A, making stupid choices has stupid consequences. And B, Play stupid games, win t- stupid prizes. Correct. And B, I hope he gets into the mindset of, if you are going to play a tough man's game, you have to be a tough man. Because currently he is not, mentally or physically. Mm. For sure. All right. You want to talk about some actual tough sons of bitches? You're probably going to have to take the reins on a lot of this. I I did not see a lot of uh, Oregon and Washington. I kind of caught highlights of things, but I don't. You have a better feel for it than I do. Oh, go back and watch this game. Yeah. Because from the coaches down to every single player on the field, Oregon and Washington are not only the two best teams in the Pac-12, top to bottom, physically, mentally, emotionally, all of the above. But I think they are two top 10 teams in the country, regardless that Oregon lost this game. Um, I mean, they were playing in Seattle, who uh, mm-hmm. Washington three-point favorites over under 67. Um, phenomenal game. This might be the game of the year as far as playoff implications, conference implications, just play throughout the game went. Um, on the Oregon side of things, Dan Lanning said from the beginning, apparently he said it when he was talking to the ESPN crew throughout the week, we are going to be aggressive. He went for multiple fourth downs, got a few of them. Um, he, got, he did so, a two-point conversion to start the game, too. Yes. Yes. No, I mean, Oregon was aggressive. I think I think Dan Lanning saw what happened in the uh, national championship game and and tried to emulate that Kirby Smart vibe from that because, I, I mean, 65-7, why wouldn't you want to? But right. this, I, you know, regardless of the wins lost, obviously Oregon won this, or Washington won this game. They covered the spread, um, the overhit, but this was a phenomenal job by both teams, both coaches, both quarterbacks, all the players on the field. This was what you want to see in a playoff game. Yeah. Um, I And I will say that it was a couple of receivers that necessarily didn't, or didn't necessarily do the right thing on the last fourth down that Oregon went for. Um, and if Bo Nix wasn't running so hard to his left, there was a wide open receiver in the middle of the field. But credit Washington's defense 
for forcing them into those decisions, getting Bo Nix out of the pocket, running to his uh, weak side there. But I will say personally, in this game, when Oregon was driving on their last pos- or on their second to last possession, you saw Michael Penix on the side, like they put the camera up to him, and he was sitting there, looked like he was freestyle rapping with his wide receivers not paying attention to what happened to the game. And then that fourth down stop happens, and he's on the field immediately with his helmet on. You knew he was getting a touchdown. Mm-hmm. You knew it. There, there was no doubt in anybody who wears the Washington purple, there was no doubt in their mind that after being as loose and as free and determined as he was on that sideline, that he was going to win that game for Washington. I, you know, I've already said it a couple times now. This was absolutely the game of the day, probably the game of the season as far as regular season goes. And um, Washington came out on top. If you did not watch this game in its entirety and want to see what a top conference matchup looks like outside of potentially the SEC. Mm-hmm. watch this game. And Washington has a tough schedule. I mean, even going forward, they, um, I mean, Arizona State's whatever, Stanford's whatever. Although Stanford did beat Colorado after <laughs> Colorado a 29-point lead. But again, November 4th, they go to, uh, to USC. Following week, they play at home against Utah. Then they go to, uh, to Oregon State. And then they finish in the uh, Apple Cup against Washington State. So, they got some games going forward, so they still have a lot to to get through to be able to get to uh, get to Vegas to probably play Oregon again or Utah if uh, Utah does Utah things. I'm and as much as I have roasted USC, they could still win this game, especially mm-hmm. because they play Oregon soon, and Oregon had a lot of defensive injuries in this game. They lost their top two corners during this game on Saturday. They could, abs- USC could beat Oregon, but it's not necessarily something that I foresee happening with the way Oregon played. Right. Mm-hmm. And especially with the way that USC offensive line played. Because mm-hmm. Oregon is built like an SEC program on defense and built like a Pac-12 offense on that side of the ball. Yeah. They're, I think Oregon's probably another year away, and they're gonna. I think they're gonna do really like of the new teams going to the Big Ten. I think they're gonna probably their game probably translates the best to a the Big Ten play. It depends on what they do without Bo Nix next year, because Good point. I I don't know if Bo Nix could have any eligibility left. No, I don't think. I think this is it. It's got to I mean, be. His right? First season was twenty nineteen. So 2018, right. we won't count 2020. So 21, 22, 20. Now this has got, well, he has a 2020 season. Bo mm. Nix technically could come back. He can probably make more money, you know, in the NIL game than he probably would in the NFL. So there's that, maybe? I don't know. I, you know, I, I truly think that Bo Nix, with what he's done in Oregon, could be in NFL quarterback. Yeah, he could be. See? 
you want to you want to talk about a guy that we thought was an NFL quarterback? That's definitely not. <laughs> talk about Devin Leary, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So Mizzou went to Kentucky, who were two and a half point favorites over under fifty two. Um, and we'll try and go through this one pretty quick because we know we're we're dragging on here. Yeah, but Missouri Missouri ended up winning this game 38-21. Uh, Kentucky had a 14-point lead in the first quarter, and then uh, then I think Missouri had either – it was either 17 unanswered or 20 unanswered, and then just, I mean, just blew the doors off of them. I mean, most of the Kentucky fans, again, in uh, Kroger Field left early in the fourth quarter just down two touchdowns. So, uh, so yeah. Kentucky scored – Three times in this game. First mm. quarter, late in the third quarter. Mm. Mizzou scored 17 points in the second quarter, 17 points in the fourth quarter, and three points in the third quarter. Mizzou owned this game from yeah. the time the first quarter ended. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you want to go to... Team stats. This does not play out in any way, shape, or form like I thought it would. Neither team did much through the air. Mizzou had 206 yards. UK had 120. Um, Mizzou had 118 yards on the ground. Kentucky had 179. And I will say, um, Ray Davis had 128 of those yards. So he is just as good, if not better, than we thought he was, Mm -hmm. considering... Um, Mizzou and their defense improving every week, but man, I'm like this Mizzou team looks good. Yeah, let Brady cook. Let Brady cook. He's been playing really, really well, like way better than I, I know we thought he was capable of doing. But you know, having Luther Burden there, I think he. I, I don't know if he still does, but I, I mean, he let coming into this game, he led the NCAA in receiving yards and. It, I mean, it Kentucky shows. actually I mean, did a very good job of um, holding Luther Burton to a lot significantly less than mm-hmm. his average um, production. I mean, he had two catches for 15 yards, but all it did oh, wow. when they double covered Luther Burton was open Theo Weiss, who had mm-hmm. six catches for 58 yards. Um, I mean, this is the Mizzou team that, I'll be honest, I kind of expected last season especially when they had Dominic Lovett on that team. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually extremely excited to uh, to hopefully talk to Adam Spencer in three weeks about this Mizzou team because they are... Yeah. They're fun. God, they're good. And that's mm-hmm. not a sentence that I would... I thought a few months ago I would be talking about. I Like, I don't think any of us expected us... Any of us expected Mizzou to be second in the East. I thought they would be clinging or just fighting until like the last week for bowl eligibility, and and here they are six and one. Yeah, no, I I mean I'll I'll try and pull it up while while we're talking about this South Carolina Florida game that also didn't go like we expected. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we have our predictions for for the finish of how the season would go, and neither of us. <laughs> expected to go anything close like this. Yeah, I think I I think I had only picked I think I had picked them to go like six and six. I think. I have no doubt in my mind that I am right there with you as far as that goes. Yeah. 
But again, Missouri, that game in what three weeks is going to be huge. Like, and, and who would have thought that that would have been? I don't want to say more than likely, but you know, pretty likely that that would be the the uh, de facto SEC East championship game in Athens, Missouri versus Georgia. Who would have thought? Not me. Not very many people, nope. by any stretch of the imagination. Nope. Um, so real quick while you're looking that stuff up, I'll just kind of just go through the Texas A&M Tennessee game. Um, it wasn't fun. I, I was kind of in and out of it. Uh, both teams suck. A&M A&M sucks more. <laughs> Tennessee won uh, twenty to thirteen. The uh, Tennessee was actually favored by three and a half. The over under was fifty five and a half. So they covered, but they didn't hit the over. Or I'm sorry, they hit the under. For sure, but this game felt like it set, set football back like 20 years. Joe Milton only had 100 yards. It, Joe Milton had 100 yards passing, a touchdown, and in a in an interception. Uh, Max Johnson played again like minimum Johnson, uh, 233 yards and two of maybe the worst interceptions that he's thrown, and that's saying something. Like especially at, at the end of the game, oh my god, the interception that he threw to to seal the game was just just bad and. And I know we talked about it earlier, even when we when we uh, when we pre- previewed A and M uh, with uh, our Texas A and M Robert Barons. Well, yeah, Robert Barons. Uh, wait, yeah, okay. Um, but we need to see. We need a live stream of every Jimbo and Bobby uh, Petrino interaction just going forward, because especially Honestly, at this point, I would consider a. I don't know, $25 a month subscription to the SEC itself to get, like, to be able to watch live play-by-play with, like, be able to go onto the SEC website, log in, and click on the play-by-play of the coaches that I wanted to watch. Yeah. Like, I think that, $25 a month, I'd pay that. Yeah, shit, that's, like, two movie tickets. Why not? Yes, but that would be uh yeah that would be fun to see. It just it, I can't imagine it being very good. I need to check out Texas Ags and their coverage of that to see how <laughs> how that whole situation is is going because I assume it's just burning down all around them. And the thing is, it's very obviously. I think Bobby Petrino is like tenth on the list of issues for yeah. this team. Hmm. And and that's kind of considering his his past with uh, across all of football in general. I I you know the fact that Bobby Petrino is probably tenth on the list of issues for this team that we thought was probably going to go nine and three. That's mm. saying a lot. Yeah. If again, if Connor Wigman didn't get hurt, I think this team they they I think they would have beat Tennessee. They probably would have beat Alabama to be honest, but. If Connor Wigman's not hurt, I think the only the only game they've lost this season is probably Miami. Yeah, and that's just because well, because they had, had him. their number that day. Well, and they had Connor Wigman. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he was healthy at that point, but oh, yeah. But no, I like Miami's their only loss on the schedule if Connor Wigman's healthy. Well, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. All right. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about. People that have no balls. Florida at South Carolina, who are two-point favorites. Um, Florida ended up winning this game 41-39. 
kind of kind of a wild turn of events. I I know our friend Chris Phillips at the Spurs Up Show. If you go check out his social media, it's um not necessarily anything he's put out, but I think Shane Beamer is close to going scorched earth on the entire program because mm. his post game press conference was. We didn't call the right plays, and when we did call the right plays, the players didn't execute, and when they did execute, they were too weak to actually do it successfully. Oh, like you can damn. watch the entire post game press conference, and that's essentially what he said, which is one, it's wild, but two, it's accurate. Wow. Um, <laughs> so this was Billy Napier's first. True road victory as a Florida Gator head coach. Um, I kind of screwed this one up by saying that South Carolina would win. South Carolina blew a 10-point fourth quarter lead to, quote-unquote, upset South Carolina and Williams-Brice. Graham Mertz, as, as much as we love to hate on him, is actually excelling in the confines of the offense that he is running. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, he um, he went 30 of 48 for... Nope. Well, yeah, he went, yeah, 30 of 48, 423 yards, and three touchdowns. Like, he, Wait, he again, any, that, any issues that they have, it's not was him. Was that yesterday? Yeah. I thought you were saying that was his first start at South no. Carolina. Or Wisconsin. No, 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 that was yesterday. No, I'm saying that that this is the first time he's played close to that first Wisconsin start. You know what? From a Georgia fan, Graham Mertz, you are probably the best player on this Florida roster, with maybe the exception of Ricky Pearsall. Which he had a fucking game too. Ten catches, hundred and sixty six yards and a touchdown. Like he those two together, they that that's the best game that uh that Graham has played in what, three years? Four years, Probably. something like that. And, and, you know, this is 100% throwing a lot of Florida quarterbacks under the bus. The fact that it took until now for a lot of the country to realize how good Ricky Pearsall is because of the quality quarterback that he played with is mm-hmm. an absolute shame. Yeah. And what's more of a shame is that Ricky Pearsall is probably going to get drafted in the sixth round by the Patriots. They'll, they'll need a quarterback to throw to him, too, because Mac is he's probably done. You know, some people said he was good. Most of us didn't agree. Some people. Oh. So, Spencer Rattler, you know, once again, another thing that I never thought I would say. Spencer Rattler was actually really good in this game, going 23-30 for 313 yards, four touchdowns. Um, but he did what, once again, Chris Phillips thought that he would end up doing towards the end of some of these big games. And uh, trying to win the game by himself, um, throwing an interception. And you have in here that you almost feel bad for him. I do feel bad for him. Um, yeah. It, it, it truly seems to me like he's kind of turned his personality around and worked towards attempting and probably succeeding to be a good quality person, a good quality quarterback. And mm-hmm. uh, he's just not in a position to succeed at South Carolina as far as wins and losses go. But I, I mean, I'll even pull up the completion percentage stat that I had a minute ago because I want to say he is. In, he's probably up there, yeah. Um, he's seventh 
At 73.6, the thing is he has less attempts and completions. Is the reason that he's not tied with Carson. So, Mm -hmm. Spencer Rattler is a phenomenal quarterback. Top 10 in completion percentage this season. He's taking a lot of shots. The problem is he's also taking a lot of shots. And by that I mean to his body by defensive players. Mm -hmm. I wonder. I I know he has some eligibility left, right? He's got to. For his sake, I hope so. And I hope he goes, if he transfers again, you know, not saying I want South Carolina to do poorly because I I do wish that they were a better team overall. Mm-hmm. I hope he goes somewhere with a good offensive line. Yes, that's yeah, that's a big thing that he he definitely yeah. needs. He probably can grab transfer. Ooh, this is gonna this is gonna be a little out there. He goes to Miami to replace TVD. Hmm. I don't hate it. <laughs> No, I mean they're I mean they're pretty comparable guys for sure, but he's just gonna go from one dumpster fire program to another. Like I I mean it's as fun as it would be to go to Miami. The thing is Miami ha- Miami has more publicity. They have a higher yeah. profile offense for the most part. It a lot of it's really on their defense. So I think that, you know, given the confines of teams that are probably gonna be looking for a quarterback at the end of the season. If he goes to Miami, I think it'll boost his draft stock quite a bit because they do have a lot of skill talent. Spencer Rattler to Michigan because JJ McCarthy is not going to be there. It'd be the no, first, it's not going to happen. It would be the first good quarterback they've had in a long time. Some some people are throwing JJ out there as a Heisman contender. I don't necessarily JJ see it, but he's, he's playing. White he's playing Lamar hard. Jackson. Ooh, ooh, you can win with that. And that's. I, I don't necessarily mean that as a compliment. I'm not saying anything necessarily negative about both of those guys, but their first instinct is to run, and if they see somebody wide open on their way out of the pocket, they'll toss it to them. I don't know if you saw it when I sent it in the uh, group chat. Jim Harbaugh called J.J. Uh, McCarthy a dog. A uh, disciplined athlete with grit. Jim Harbaugh ruining everything. We can't use that term anymore. Dad used it. Now it's not cool. Well, I mean, hell, he ruined the Got Milk campaign. Yeah. Steak and milk. Uh, not a good look. No. Um, you want to talk about something else and not a good look? <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking Texas Tech because, you know, I was out and then you pulled me back in. Only for me to get shit on by the Red Raiders yet again. Hey, so thank I you for was, that. I I'll... was in on BYU all season last year. You got to be <laughs> in on Texas Tech. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to read my my notes just about Texas Tech, all right? Um, te- uh, Kansas State at Texas Tech. Tech was a one-and-a-half point favorite over under six, uh, 56.5. My notes are, again, fuck Texas Tech. Uh, Kansas State won... 38-21, so not anywhere close to te- uh, Texas Tech covering. And I marked it as a loss about four minutes into the game because I didn't want to watch the shit. I had it up on FS1, and as soon as uh, Kansas State scored uh, the first touchdown, I'm like, well, this is over. It's a loss. Big L for me. And I never looked back. And I was right. I didn't waste my time. Yeah, that was rough. That 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 was real rough. Um mm-hmm. While we're on stuff that's rough, 
my bets this week. You uh, had uh Here's the wild bad. thing. Here's the wild thing. We're not going to go into into a ton of detail because I know we're running a little bit longer than we normally do here. But I went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, two, and one this week. Yeah, two, eight, and one. I won another push, second consecutive week of push. Two, eight, and one this week. Yeah. Um, um, I'm still in the black for the season, 37, 35, and one. Um, or 37, 35, and two. But for throwing out my personal bets, throwing out what I put on my own bet slip, seven and two this week. Okay. Um, had had some personal stuff going on Friday night, Saturday morning. Didn't have the opportunity to put it out for you guys, but personally, I had a good week. So, there you so go. like, regardless what the podcast says, my betting account is technically the best it's been all season. So I'll take it. There you go. So just fade fade your uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning picks, and just get on Saturday morning. Yeah, like if you want to actually make money, text me at eleven thirty on Saturday. <laughs> there you go. I, I I came through uh, last week. I was a little bit a little bit hotter, but I mean, last week I was eight and four. This week I was seven five and one. With we both pushed the same game with uh, Oregon and Washington. That you know three point spread. Which technically exactly it, on Saturday morning it dropped to two and a half, but for the purpose of. Of this, the integrity of our picks on the show, we pushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I went seven five and one overall. We have the same amount of losses. Um, but I'm a uh, thirty nine thirty five and one. So in the black as well. Not like if you're using all the same units, you're again, you're you're doing okay. But we'll try to get better as the season goes on. Yes, and I will. Um... My bet slips that I put out for the last few weeks up until uh, this weekend have been pretty hot, so I'll continue to put those out. And it's kind of a uh, composite of what I like from Mike's, what I really like from mine, maybe a couple player props in there. So so we'll, I'll continue to put that out on Saturday mornings, especially this week because I absolutely should have time. Um, this week is the first, or this Friday, is the first Ghost Pirates game of the season. Um so that's pretty fun. I'm actually taking my mom and stepdad to their first game. So that'll be that'll be pretty interesting. One last little tangent. So the Ghost Pirates are supposed to come to our school event, our little fall festival, the they last two fucking years. No, it's not necessarily the players. It's like their uh, street team or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, but they're supposed to come to our school event the last two years. Advertise them on our all of our social media stuff, all that. Two years in a row, they ghosted us. Uh, I mean, you should have figured that in the name. They are the Ghost Pirates. They just take what they want. All right, guys. um, To close it out here, as always, follow us on Instagram at nothing.finder.pod, Twitter at FinderPod. Facebook and YouTube, just search us there. Make sure it's got our logo. Hit subscribe, follow, like, whatever it is. Um, Rate and review the show five stars. You and send a screenshot, but you will receive a sticker in the mail. And as always, remember, there is nothing finer 